Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. And this morning, we are joined by a repeat visitor to the pod. Yes. Representative Melissa Provenzano, welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so just just remind our audience a little bit, how long have you been in um, office? What committees you're on? That Those kind of things. So uh, I took office uh, one in 2018. And so I've been at this for four years, just won my third term. And and uh, whew, that was, a, that was a, a squeaker, but... Uh, before that, um, I was principal and teacher and, and all of the things. Um, but uh, this year, I'll uh, remain on the Common Education Committee. And I've actually uh, been moved uh, into the, the full Appropriations and Budget Committee, which I'm <gasps> oh, super pumped good. about. Uh, and I'm sad to leave the um, subcommittee of Common ed- or Education behind, but it's in good hands. And uh, we'll be in the meetings all the time. And I think it's going to be so you get to be in the full-blown A and B. Yeah. When it comes, when it when it really when the rubber hits the road. Yeah. And the show. Are, are looking at all those appropriation bills and right. you know. Right. Right. Good. Good and, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And those are and they'll will uh, will also be on the judiciary, uh, civil committee, and government modernization, oh. which aren't necessarily tied as much to education, but. Um, those were spots that we needed folks. And I'm like, since I get to be on full and I get to be on common ed, then I'm okay. Hey, there are are times that bills get sent to judiciary and weird places. Yes. And either to get passed or to die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's more usually interesting things in the vaults at Hogwarts. Yes. (laughs) But um, I also um, have been appointed assistant uh, Democrat leader, uh, to under leader Munson. Congratulations. So that, yeah. That's brought with it, um, a host of new responsibilities and kind of finding my way out and sort of serving on the law committee as well, uh, in her place. Mm. And so just got appointed to that yesterday, uh, which is good, which is, um, fiscal oversight, uh, for all branches. And, uh, that is a much needed role. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, so actually, just a whole host of things. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah, calendar got busier, but I I was kind of ready to do that and take on more. And uh, we'll, we'll do good. That is that is such a huge. I don't know if people. I just bravo, congratulations. I don't oh, think people you. realize uh, the leadership roles and yeah. uh, what they mean, and that's yeah. huge. Yeah. That is huge. So, yeah. Well, when Leader Munson was running for for chair or, or to be leader, I was like. I mean, so much of that is human resources. I mean, do you really want to suck? And here I am helping out. (laughs) And, you know, then just the the day-to-day, you know, somebody called the name and blah, blah, blah. So things with it. But that stuff just comes with the the job. But but it shows for you the leader you are. I've watched you over these last six years and for, you know, um, the, the states person, the statesman that you are, and it takes that to work across the aisle, especially when we have a super majority 
um, uh, and, and you're in the minority party. So right. it has to take that. And, and I know that the majority party, I know people in that party that respect you highly and know oh, that they can goodness. come to you and answer those, throw you questions you yeah. know, that you need. And yes. I don't think, and I don't think people understand the behind the scenes. And so, uh, just bravo. We're oh, so thank excited you for so you. much, Catherine. My goodness. I appreciate that. You're going to make me blush. Thank goodness. <laughs> we're not actually zooming. <laughs> well, so as we move into session, what are some of the bills that you are running that you're excited about? Oh gosh. Um, you know, with related to education, there's um, a handful. Um, all of uh, my my bills come from constituents, uh, mm-hmm. and I hear from a lot of teachers. And the number one uh, the bill I'm thinking of right now, House Bill 1441, um, takes a real stab at uh, kind of putting some some guardrails on how much professional development teachers are subjected to every single year. Uh, and we can kind of talk about that uh, in more detail. I also have um, a bill uh, getting rid of the professional learning focus. And so what, after yesterday's board meeting, I'm <laughs> interested to see. But, you know, the, the idea was first introduced last year in a bill mm-hmm. that I had. And it was a teacher from Union Public Schools that said, hey, this is just time suck and we don't really get anything for it and and you know I don't mind doing it but it's just layering on top of uh, everything else but now it's um, popped up in other legislation uh, uh, in, uh, in both the house and the senate so I think it has legs as well and whether I'm the one that gets it across the line or someone else doesn't really matter you know you, you definitely this is a job where you put your ego aside and you help it work them. Um, I do have a uh, school bond transparency Bill. Uh, I actually had a former school board member reach out. She lives here, but a, a board member previously somewhere else and said, yeah, sometimes things don't um, happen that we vote on. Uh, mm-hmm. And so uh, it requires uh, posting in any changes on the school website. Mm-hmm. And, and so those sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the, with the whole professional learning And the, from the mandates that are required, those, I always call them compliancy, uh, professional learning, the, the professional learning PL focus. And when we start think, you know, I want you to think back with in your, in your school days with me, when we, when we implement those, there's good intent. Oh yeah. And then, and then we get to. Uh, I mean, when the, the legislation is written, it's good intent, but then we implement it in our schools and then we realize, oh, oh dear, boy. that did yeah. not, you know, just like chronic take, chronic absenteeism for just a second. When that was, right. when we put that on the SF plan, uh-huh. it was, that's what we wanted to get to the why, why kids weren't there, but guess yeah. what? None of the resources came with it. And so we yeah. never got to that. So it just became a a mandate that didn't do anything. And so I think that's where we have to be very cognizant and in exactly what you're doing, listening to educators, once it's implemented, how it rolls out and whether it works or not. Well, and 1441, like every single training here. So we have six trainings that like every single teacher we looked at, you know, and, and thanks for your input and support on this truly, but, but, um, 
every single one is critical and mm-hmm. important. And, and, you know, we have six that like every single certified teacher has to do, whether once a year, once every couple of years, once every this, and it's just kind of all over the place. Um, we have that, that we are shifting to, okay, once when you onboard, and then once every five years after that. Mm. And there's always, and then we also have a, a four or five that we push down to local control. Like, mm. you know, the school boards can handle this. And, and so those things are going to be a time saver. And, and then the, the, the second piece of that is we also cap the number of hours in a five-year period. And this is what Texas does. And uh, I actually had a, a fellow representative go, well, just say this is what Texas does and you'll be <laughs> Oh my goodness, but it caps the number of professional development hours a teacher can be subjected to over a five-year period at 150 hours. So 30 hours a year, you know, and new teachers will have more, more experienced mm-hmm. teachers, teachers will have less every year, um, but just kind of putting a ceiling in there really to make the legislature stop and think, you know, mm-hmm. can we add another thing? Well, if we add this, we're going to have to take off this. Yeah. Um, because we have an awful lot of well-intentioned uh, mm-hmm. legislators that, that um, see you need, fill a need, um, but you can't just keep adding. And so I feel like that 150-hour cap is a great place to start. Um, and we'll see. <laughs> so here, here's my question to you. Is blood-borne sure. pathogens and oh PERPA a federal mandated one? Yes. Uh, okay. Board, we've actually reached out to Secretary uh, Secretary Cordona and said, uh-huh. you know, let's have a conversation about this. And we want to be able to demonstrate success at the at the state level. Um, but mm-hmm. I think you know, the unspoken truth of bloodborne pathogens is everyone has those answers memorized. I was going <laughs> to say, give me, give me a pretest. If you would just yeah. give me a pretest, I can yeah. pass it. I know. Even right. if there's uh, blood on sharp objects, you still yeah. can't throw it in a metal trash can. Right. You, you would think that's reasonable, but that's false. I know right. that. I know right. that one now. And so, right. yeah, well, you know, I think if it comes out of a human being and it's a liquid, don't touch it. Don't throw it in a metal trash can. That doesn't work either. Right. You know? right. So Representative Ranson actually went to D.C. And, and met with them and just said, you know, we, we need some help here, you know, and, yeah. and, and that and school bus driver training is just mm. crushing. You have to be a mechanic in order to be able to drive a school bus, you know, yeah. and when every district has their own mechanic that can then toddle out when we have, you know, what you need is someone who knows how to, you know, if there's an emergency, get the school bus to safety, exit the children from the bus if needed and wait for the mechanic. Yeah. So, so um, we'll, we're continuing to tackle those at the federal level, just kind of yeah. conversations and, and, you know, hopefully, I mean, and it's important to be safe. Yeah. We want our kids to be safe, but do yeah. we need every single driver to, to Yeah. Yeah. We, this, we had that discussion last night about CDLs and, and how difficult it is for school yeah. bus drivers. And it's really, it's now it's a federal thing with yeah. the CDLs because they want you to be able to drive a truck. And, and the safety measures that go with that. And so they, you know, we have an administration at the federal level that will listen to us now. Yes. The perfect opportunity to take advantage. Yeah. And if you can drive a truck, you're going to go drive a truck. Yeah. That's a lot better pay. Yeah. So, so, but kind of circling back to the state stuff, you know, there, 
there's these six, you know, I do want to talk about um, for a minute just to kind of give some awareness and get people thinking about it, the alcohol and drug awareness, bullying prevention, child abuse reporting, dyslexia, mental health, suicide awareness. These are all critical, you know, and, and I actually got my first question. Well, dyslexia is so, training is so important. Yes, it's absolutely important. And we don't say that your local school district can't do more. This is the baseline. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you have issue where you recognize the need for more suicide awareness training, a local district can do that. And that's just fine. Uh, so there's nothing preventing people from doing more than the baseline. And uh, it, I think, you know, once we kind of had that conversation, um, you know, all the, the, the companies or businesses that deal with, you know, selling you software or programs mm-hmm. to do this are like, oh, no. Well, that's not really our concern. Our concern is do the teachers know how to do it and do they need it? Mm-hmm. And I, I think when we kind of talked about this bill, yeah. we really did talk about it as a really um, awesome opportunity for a district to identify their greatest needs within this scope and right. actually enhance and maybe make it a year long focus instead of just like a checkbox at a professional development or online that they have to do at the beginning of the year at some point. Oh my gosh, that's a great point. You know, and I remember us all sitting down and just going, where do we even start with this? It was so hard to get the cog moving, but once it did, it just really kind of all came together Mm -hmm. and, uh, and there's, there's a lot of interest. And so, but this is going to be an exceptional year for public education one way or the other. Uh, and uh, and so uh, we'll hope we can get these practical application things done for teachers because that that's where they feel it, you know. Besides mm-hmm. what they hear on the news, you know, scare and fear, scare and fear. Mm-hmm. What are they telling you that mm-hmm. they need? And this mm-hmm. is something that pops up every single year from any teacher I talk to. So. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there's an appetite in the legislature this year to, to, and reform is good. It can be, you know, we've kind of given a bad connotation to reform, but reform 1017 had reforms in it that were good. Yeah. And what, do you feel like there's an appetite this year for true reform in our schools, reform such as lower class size, um, resources, professional uh, mentoring, Hey, mentoring, (laughs) you know, um, the the really critical issues that we need to bring back to our schools. So, so yeah, I, I feel like for those that weren't educators versus the ones that are legislators, there is the appetite to do something, do something. And it's, I have to give props to Senator Pugh. He rolled out a package. You know, I I agree with 90% of it, not all of it. That's okay. I, 90%, yeah. I, can, I can go there. Uh, but, you know, the paid mentor stipends, what a practical, yep. practical fix that teachers told him he needed. And to yep. his, his credit, he went out and talked to teachers, talked to parents, talked yep. to superintendents about what would actually work. And I, when I started, when I knew he had a press conference, I started reading over all these bills and going, oh. (laughs) We did too. We were like, well, oh, okay. (laughs) And and so we'll see how far that goes. Um, You know, that this skeptical side of me says, I hope it's not smoke and mirrors Mm -hmm. to give cover for vouchers. Um, We've seen that in a couple other states. Well, we'll give you this. Yep. 
this money here. So I hope that if superintendents mm -hmm. are reached out to and asked for their support and asked what they need, they're going to ask for long-term fixes mm -hmm. um, and continued funding. And I you know, have seen, well, we'll give you this up front, but we also have this other pot of money that we can do for voucher. And I'm like, well, where do you got that from? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And why can't we embed that? You know, right now we're still struggling to keep up with inflation and get back to 2011 levels, you know, yeah. back when we were ranked 17th in the nation for quality yeah. education and, yeah. you know, newsflash, our teachers didn't get worse. They had high expectations. Yeah. And we just kind of, you know, started crushing on it. Have so, you, have, have you ever seen our state sit on such a big pot of money? that we have now oh. no, knowing that our projections for revenue coming in this next year is eat at, at a historical 2.6 billion that right. I heard last night. Right. And right. we're sitting on 3.8 billion. billion. Yeah. And it's only going to get bigger. So no. Um, and, and granted, we all love a, a good savings account. This mm -hmm. is the people's dollars mm -hmm. and it needs to be doing the work of the people. Absolutely. We need a savings account. We do. We need to be able to save for those rainy days when the economy takes a downturn or this or that or the other. And, and credit for us having a strong economy here in Oklahoma, credit where credit is due. But at some point, the tax dollar I pay needs to be invested in my community. Yeah, absolutely. And not sit in a savings account at, at a level. Yeah. Um, you know, get your savings. That's why the, those bank accounts have caps, but we keep moving, moving the needle with yeah. that, but we need to reinvest into our communities. And I mean, education is the rising tide that lifts all ships. We heard it yesterday at the Tulsa Chamber um, meeting that this is like front and center is, to getting new businesses interested in coming to Oklahoma is, mm -hmm. do you have a place where our workers to raise families mm. and issue number one do you have quality schools and workers have started to say well can we work remote instead of moving out there and, and that should be a red flag and so it's time for serious investment mm -hmm. so one question i have just briefly and and overview is that yesterday um secretary walters presented his budget yeah. And, you know, maybe as on the House Ed Committee and then also now on the Appropriations and Budget, right. kind of tell us that that how that process works as mm. from your perspective as a legislator. Oh, well, he, you know, uh, as Chairman McBride said, he's seen a lot of budgets, uh, you know, this time of year and credit to him. That's the truth. And, and there were definitely some eye raising uh, things in that budget. And then there was at once uh, we actually got a copy of it, started digging into going, well, now where's that hundred million? It's just kind of a blanket hundred million moved over from teacher salaries to student supports. Um, what's that going to be spent on? But um, we'll hear that budget request. That committee will start to work and negotiate on those items and drill in um, that meeting for him to present um, that committee has been moved to Wednesday of mm. next week. Um, it was late in the day on Tuesday, but they, they're going to do a joint uh, hearing on two, Wednesday at 10, I believe, and just really dig into those things. And then the work begins on, you know, what is reasonable. And I think probably the biggest conversation piece would be the teacher pay piece, mm -hmm. because there was a lot of conversations from both sides of the aisle. Now we can 
teacher raise. And a teacher raise across the board is more effective at teacher retention than merit pay. Merit pay has its place. But remember, we tried that. And, and no we board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we couldn't ever agree on what that would look like. And, uh, you know, we have less going into the pot to fund our current national board certified teachers because there are fewer and fewer of them. Yeah. I mean, and that would be that would be a good way to spend those dollars. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll see kind of how it shakes out. But once it passes out of that committee and moves up to the full appropriations committee, it'll be um, later in the session that we'll see it come to the floor. Uh, and I suspect it will look different from the request that was made yesterday. So how does those requests come in? I think this is kind of the key question that uh, our viewers always have that are, yeah. you know, we're just watching the process from the 30,000 foot level and yeah. you, the request comes in from all the agencies. That's a requirement that they, right. they submit a request. How much do you have to take of that request? Well, I mean, it's really up to the legislature 100%. There are statutory requirements on some mm-hmm. of the funding that right. cannot be changed. Right. Uh, but there's other things where we can dig into and go, well, that's a nice request, you know, and yeah. our former superintendent found the same and, and it, it can be a challenge, but we move the needle forward. And, and that's, you know, you get, it's kind of the art of compromise. I give you some of what you want and, and we'll see, you know, and mm-hmm. you, you give us some of what we want. And, you know, if what we're doing benefits teachers and kids, then we'll move forward together in, a, in the yeah. right direction. Yeah. I, I remember under superintendent Hoffmeister's, uh, when she was superintendent, she had a lot of requests that came, big, bold budgets that came that were yeah. never yeah. funded at yeah. the level that the request was made. In well, school. I mean, counselor core. Yeah. Never, you know, and now now we have it thanks to federal dollars. But, yeah. Right. But, um, you know, but I'm concerned when that money is gone, um, what that's going to look like. And we need a long-term strategy for sustaining those counselors mm-hmm. and Boy, there's just not enough for them to go around. I met with a principal at the Hunt Institute um, earlier this week who said, you know, we're just kind of tying our budget together with grants. And, mm. you know, that's how we have a nurse site. I'm like, you don't have a nurse if you don't have the grant funding? That's ridiculous, you know, but she just so happened to have um, a child in their school district and she wanted to work, you know, willing to take that salary when nurses are drawing you know, physician salaries. I heard, I learned last week right now because they're in such short supply. Uh, and so what are we going to do about long-term sustaining healthcare for our kids if they're at school? Yeah. And, and we can do better, you know? And, and I've gotten a lot of questions about the uh, bill that has been filed that gets rid of federal funding altogether. <laughs> and I hesitate to say it's laughable because- I, I, I'm I, sorry, I chuckled on that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but but I did, you know, because I'm like terrifying things have crossed the, the line, but that, especially after we accepted all this money in a re- American Rescue Plan dollars mm-hmm. is laughable, you know, unless yes. unless we just want to, you know, call ourselves a hypocrite <laughs> and then move on down the line. We'll accept it here, but not here. Um, yeah. It's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Because we'll we'll see where that goes. But yeah, there's a lot of sensational bills this time of year that make the news. So we'll see. 
Well, we appreciate your perspective so much and your time. So thank you so much for walking us through your bills. And um, you bet. Just- now I'm off to, to uh, see our top five yes. finalists at UU Public Schools. Uh, we're going to go celebrate Rebecca uh, there yeah. at Union. And I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Oh. I'm like, man, public school's getting it done. Uh, and she's amazing. And so I want to go celebrate her with them. And and then we're off to the races for the rest of our Friday. So thanks for having me. Will you yeah. do me a favor? Will you do me yeah. a favor when you see Rebecca? Sure. Would yes. you tell and give her two hugs? One okay. from Catherine, one from Ellen. And tell okay. her congratulations. And we're sorry, you know, just... We're so excited for her. <laughs> oh, I definitely will. I definitely will. It was so funny. I was telling, uh, you guys shared this earlier, but like we were doing a proclamation and then the, like, it was like, Hey, do you want your name on this proclamation? I think like every Tulsa administrator is like, heck yeah, heck yeah, heck yeah. So it's going to be a long sheet of paper <laughs> you know, that tells me that, that our, our state representatives that will be here get it, get it. Uh, you know, this is, this is what we have mm-hmm. and, and she's not the only one. Yes. And, and so yeah. let's just lift it up and celebrate it today. Today is going to be our win. Yes. yes. All right. well, enjoy. Thank you so much. Thank you. You guys have a great day. Well, this morning, I don't know why I thought this was funny. I wanted to do like prices right. Come on down. Yeah. <laughs> we have Ivy with us. So, it's I. We're gonna. We need to make a song. It's Ivy time. Yeah, oh, it's like Ivy an time. Intro song. I like that. All right, Ivy. So another big week. It was a big week. We we keep thinking oh, it's going to be calm before session. It's not. I know, it hasn't even started yet. I just keep saying that to myself, but it's silly. I know better. I know better. You've but been I like doing to this for a while, Miss Ivy, and you know. should know better. It's than um, this. it's my version of self care. It's called denial. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> so the so the big thing this week is it kind of in two phases. Um, rep- our Secretary Walters came to talk about his budget, but not his budget at the House A and B committee. And then kind of alluded to, hey, I'm actually, this is not my budget. I'm going to talk about my budget at the State Board of Education meeting. And then I'm coming back next week to do my budget. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm presenting this as superintendent of public instruction. And so we were shared kind of how that came to be. And he was not truthful in that that meeting. Mm -hmm. He was asked to present his performance review, which is a statutory requirement. Mm -hmm. They couldn't postpone that. He was asked to present his performance review, which he never actually did. Mm-hmm. And then he was asked to present the parts of his predecessor's budget that he liked and that he wanted to go forward with. Instead, he made it a campaign speech and made it about all the things he didn't like and all the things he needed to do. And so he was stopped and said, you know, there's no reason to do this and do it again next week. Come back next week. There was a lot of drama around that, but that's the simplified mm-hmm. version of what mm-hmm. happened on Tuesday. And in that meeting, he said to the House at large, I'm actually going to present my budget at the State Board of Ed meeting, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. he did on Thursday. He did. Mm-hmm. And and once it's approved, if it were, you know, if it was approved by the State Board, he mm-hmm. would bring that budget back mm-hmm. the next week. And that is what happened. So on Thursday, uh, that was just yesterday, feels like a couple of days have happened since then, um, he did present his budget to the state board 
the state board asks very few questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very new. Mm-hmm. There's only two mm-hmm. uh, returning board members. Everyone else is very new. And as we've mentioned on this podcast before, they have no uh, mm-hmm. public ed experience. So mm-hmm. they have no idea what a school budget looks like. I think most people, if they were to look into the State Department of Ed budget, they would be baffled by how intricate it is, how mm-hmm. fast it is. It is not cut and dry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I don't even fault them for not asking questions. I fault a bit that they're there. It's not their <laughs> fault, I guess. But it, you know, very few questions were asked. Lots of expounding was done mm-hmm. and it was approved. Yeah, within a heartbeat. Yes. Yeah, because we, Ellen, you're there. Vice President Elledge is there. I, Ivy and I are sitting at our computers watching it eating popcorn and, <laughs> you know, going, oh my. Uh, but they, in the past, they have raked that budget apart. They have asked in-depth questions, and it was just like, whoop, okay. Criticized why things were asked for, criticized why things weren't asked for. Uh, You know, I think it's a combination of a brand new superintendent, a brand new board. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's learning. I do want to give the benefit of the doubt in everyone's learning. But then it's sometimes, the, well, it's a, it's a, it's a fleeting thought. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the tone? Like, how did he, Walters, kind of set his budget agenda? Right. Well, I think uh, no one's shocked by this, but the very first thing he said was school choice. Mm-hmm. Expansive school choice. Mm-hmm. He had three points to his budget. Expansive school choice, incentivize only the best teachers, and increase kids' reading. Mm-hmm. I think on paper, someone not living this Mm -hmm. education game would only maybe balk at school choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And parent choice, okay. We all want parents to have choices. But as the superintendent of public instruction, Mm -hmm. it gives me lots and lots of heartburn to to hear that the superintendent of public instruction, if he thinks kids can't read, why is that not your number one thing? Mm -hmm. Right? Ellen is an elementary school parent, and I absolutely love it when she shares how much choice she has as a parent in Oklahoma City. So yeah, as an Oklahoma City public school parent, I always talk about, I have so many choices. So two years ago, the legislature expanded choice to every public school in our state. So for me in OKC, I have the option of 26 public school districts to choose from. Not just schools, but Districts. So I don't even know how many elementary schools that is, but districts. That are big districts. Yeah. And then I have um, 11 charter schools in Oklahoma City. I I think that's in the districts, right? I think think when they say 26 districts, they're including some of those charters. Some of them, but some of them are separate charter schools that aren't within... They're, Within Oklahoma City. Yeah, they're, yeah. you know, sponsored by, by a community college yeah. or right. Rose State. Yeah. And then virtual schools. So, right. and we expanded equal opportunity scholarship to the mm. tune of millions of millions of dollars. And we don't even know if that has been used to its capacity. Because there's no accountability so, or transparency of how it's being used. So I always tell people, I have so many choices for mm-hmm. my child and I choose my local public school because that's best, what's best for my child. So I, I'm always baffled when we say we need more choice. Mm-hmm. We don't need more choice. We need, I want smaller class sizes and I want qualified teachers who stay year to year with 
my school and build a community, not only within that school, but within the community around them. So he, he talked about that as one of his number one issues, but did he talk about it where it would be out of the budget? You know, no, he didn't. He he didn't go into the budget in detail like we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could... I wish I could rewind to see how Joy as a brand new superintendent created her first, but not created, but presented her mm-hmm, first budget mm-hmm. because everyone's new on their first meeting in January and they're right. all figuring it out. Um, so I'm sure she got better at it over the years. Mm-hmm. Hopefully so will he. So I, so I do want to, I, I, I wish I was here doing this job 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. I also was new and didn't know what to look for and what, what red flags. And so Never did we hear expand school choice in yeah. her administration. He just kind of did that. buckets. He did. He just did three big buckets. And so there's one kind of uh, question mark in the budget where the, uh, he, uh, a bullet point of $100 million that just says teacher and student support. That could be anything. Mm-hmm. And so I think what it's important Um, as we go through this, is this is just a budget request. Mm -hmm. Even if we loved every single word of it, it's still up to the legislature to fund it, to to put it into the budget, to line item things they wanted to make sure the department did spend, didn't spend, and and how much leeway they give him as a new superintendent. Mm -hmm. So um, this is not a done deal. Mm -hmm. The board approved it. I mean, he presents next week, but it doesn't make anything happen later in probably may we we will see what the legislature does and lots and lots of things will happen through there if no bill for school choice for vouchers uh, for tax credit expansion whatever if no bill gets through the the process then i think that we uh, talk to legislators about limiting you know what does he actually have what does that position actually have um freedom to spend that's that's yeah. not laid out mm-hmm. in the yeah that comes back to the department mm-hmm. through appropriations right how much is like right you get to kind of like billions yeah. of dollars come yeah. through mm-hmm. yeah and it's so a, yeah it's a what three four three million billion three point right. five billion, billion is this billion. right billion budget. yeah so so there are some question marks mm-hmm. and i think those are conversations that that folks will have i think folks in the education realm will have with legislators to say, I know you want to uh, give a new state agency head a, a, a chance to, to do their job, but we have some pretty grave concerns when school choice is his first thing as the superintendent mm-hmm. of public instruction. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not public. Yeah. So then his second point. His second point was the best teachers incentivized, and mm-hmm. he rolled out a merit pay system uh, in the previous budget that the that previous superintendent joy hoffmeister uh rolled out that the previous state board approved uh was an across the board five thousand dollar teacher pay raise Mm -hmm. talking about the crisis we are in the shortage we are in 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 support staff and teachers and she tried to address both of those in her Mm -hmm. budget he said nothing about support staff and he said um, he did not want to do an across-the-board raise. We should not incentivize all teachers. We should only incentivize the ones doing the best. And the, you know, uh, there's a lot of states that have done merit pay in the past mm-hmm. and a lot of states that are not doing it anymore because it's just, um, it, it's, a, it's a moving target. The measuring stick he wanted to use was TLE, which 
this year, there are several bills to remove TLE right. or to drastically change TLE. Right. So <laughs> um, it's a very subjective tool. Yeah. Um, would principals play favorites? Right. Would teachers turn away difficult students? Because mm -hmm. student uh, test scores was also a, a matrix that you talked yes, about. Yes, they did talk about using student performance. Yeah. What happens in, in uh, non-tested grades mm -hmm. and subjects. I taught seventh grade science for 15 years and it was not a tested grader subject. My principal would come to my door and say, hey, this kid is really struggling in this class. Will you take him? I think he'll just do better with your style. You bet, was my always my answer. But at the point that whether I get a raise or not is graded on that, whether I, whether I get to keep my job, my evaluation rating, mm -hmm. would I change my mind? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and and you know, he talked about mentor teachers and we've 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 heard a lot about that. The the governor even talked about that. Merit pay pits teachers against mm -hmm. each other instead of the collaborative effort we want in education. And so you can't say both. Mm -hmm. right. You can't say both are there. That is I get free market private sector but then it's competition within each right. other. And I know we talk about competition being healthy. I, I just don't think that's not what education of, mm -hmm. of students is about. Not when you're a service provider right. working with human beings right. that are all different and all unique and, and so diverse in their learning journey, where they're at on that journey. And, and what so to me was really disheartening was Thinking back, 2015, in the legislative process around then, this is before we approved the ESSA plan, the legislature, and many of those legislators are still here mm -hmm. in that building. Yes. In a Republican-controlled legislature, did a bold action, what we call decouple. Mm -hmm. They decoupled teacher evaluation scores and student test scores from any type of evaluation, pay, they made bold stance. And we were so proud of our state that we could go to our colleagues in other states that were still tied to that and say, look what our Republican legislature did. Mm -hmm. They got it. And, and we so think it's about that. to see that now. Right. We think about our students that struggle the most, mm -hmm. that have the most challenges, whether they're English learners, whether they have uh, Disability. intellectual disabilities, wow. emotional disturbances, lots of things. Those are our kiddos that struggle with testing. Yeah. And do we want teachers to not want to teach those kids because they don't want to be graded right. or, or never get a raise because of that? No, that <laughs> you're, you're very removed mm -hmm. from why teachers teach mm -hmm. if this is what you think is the best plan. Yeah. And so we have grave, grave concerns about what that would do to our most struggling students. Yeah. And I would love to say that no teacher would go in and, and, and not want to teach severe, profound students mm -hmm. because of that. But what, what if you are struggling financially? Yeah. And, and that's going to make or break whether you have a, yeah. whether you get to, you know, buy a house mm -hmm. or, or send your kid to college, right. whatever it is. Yeah. It, we, we don't want to think of people like that, but money is, it, it's just part of it. And to be honest, we had a system set up in our state for performance or merit pay, as you call it, through our national board process that was standardized that you were you were um, evaluated against teaching standards 
and how you taught in the classroom is very standardized. And like one superintendent said one time to me, we have gutted that that whole initiative like a trout. <laughs> we just gutted it like a trout. We, we don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. In fact, this group of teachers that recertified in 2013, so this year, they will no longer qualify for that incentive bonus of $5,000. That's gone. Right. That's gone. Now, there are a couple of bills to bring it back. Yes. Mm -hmm. But let's let's talk about that, Catherine. So every single teacher had the option to get that. It wasn't like, here's this finite amount of money and only a few of you can get it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't against each other. You could do it as a team. Mm-hmm. You could collaborate. There were yeah. there were cohorts that would get together yeah. and do that. And I never met. I I never did that. I, yeah. I I did not choose to do that, and nor did I expect the money for it. Mm-hmm. That was a choice. You did do it, yeah. and and I've never met a national board certified teacher that didn't say that they were s- so much better teacher mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, and and so we can't say we want high quality, highly trained mm-hmm. uh, teachers and then not want to, and not want to fund it. And the key about that bill, you had to be in the classroom to get that $5,000. And so that was my main purpose. I could have gone on and got my master's, but everything I looked at to get my master's, I had to leave the classroom counselor, administrator to increase my level of expertise and I chose national board because I could stay in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And when I went from being teaching students with disabilities to an instructional coach, I no longer got that $5,000. And I knew that. Mm-hmm. And that was okay. Because I knew if I, that that was the purpose of it. And I respected that purpose. And so that's, that's what, if we want to start looking at how do we retain teachers in the classroom, that's how we do it. That's right. And and we talk a lot about competitive pay with other states, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so this, what what was the actual kind of budget that would be going towards merit right. pay? So, so the, the updated budget proposal by the new superintendent Walters um, was almost $60 million less than the previous mm-hmm. budget request. So, so. And wait. that was additional money right, right. from the previous right. superintendent. Right, so kind of leaving money on the table, mm-hmm. if you will. And out of that, $150 million less for teacher pay anyway. Mm. So you're, you're, gonna, you're going to incentivize less people with less money. I, I just don't know how you can say you want to retain mm-hmm. current teachers and attract new people to their profession when you don't want to fund it and you right. don't want to invest uh, respect is a big issue. We mm-hmm. hear from we hear from members every single day that say, "Yes, it's pay. You know, we have to pay bills. I have kids to raise. I have bills. I have a family, but it's also respect." And none of that said respect yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. that's what's disheartening. That's what's disheartening is is um, you know they are begging for him to come to their schools. I've not yet talked to a group of teachers that hasn't said if he would come, he would see what's going on here. Mm-hmm. He would see what 33rd graders in a class are mm-hmm. like. And this is not how to get me <laughs> to, to help these kiddos read. And it, and I'm not saying they're not saying it's their, f- it isn't their fault. I, I don't know how you give 33rd graders enough one-on-one instruction. Mm-hmm. So we've got to put money into the formula, but attract, you know, right now, even if every school had the money to get to a 20-person class, 
we don't have yeah. t- we don't have teachers. Yeah, we right. Don't have- so so it's a it's a multifaceted yeah. issue, and none of what we heard yesterday were solutions to yeah. these issues. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. We listened to teachers last night. And their biggest concern when they were talking with legislators was their class size. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have enough teachers to hire, your class sizes are going to be bigger. Right. So um, then the third one was kids have to read. No one's going to argue with kids have mm-hmm. to read. We all agree with that. But what he failed to mention is that $13 million was invested last year of ARPA funds from the previous administration to really address this, knowing that across the nation we are seeing learning loss. We know mm-hmm. virtual education for every student is not the solution. And so coming out of COVID, coming, you know, and, and then even once we were in person, just the, you know, the quarantines, the the mm-hmm. absences, the family struggling, lots of jobs lost, you know, just so many things. Um, we know that that students were struggling coming back, mental health issues with, for, from families and, and their students. So I think Superin Hoff, Superintendent Hoffmeister saw that that was an issue. She invested $13 million in ARPA funds. She had actually asked for increased RSA funding for years and years, and it wasn't mm-hmm. funded. So at the point she had one-time federal relief dollars, she did spend that. So he almost presented it in a way that it was something new, the science of reading, this has been used. It was a it was a a focus of the previous administration. We don't disagree with the science of reading. We don't disagree with the increased investment in in what we know our kiddos need right now. But don't say it like it's a it's a new thought. They are actually on like I believe their fourth cohort mm-hmm. of putting educators through the science of reading. So this has been a number of years and this is intensive. Yes. Intensive yes. professional learning that takes time and it's outside of their school day. Mm-hmm. They are dedicating hours, hours. Yes. Hours of their time because they know that kids have different needs than they used to have and as their class sizes grow and as some of their colleagues come in, you know, we are so thankful for alternatively and emergency certified mm-hmm. folks that have come into the profession, but they did not receive the same training that, exactly. that traditionally certified elementary early childhood teachers did. That's not a criticism. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. So they need different training, more intensive training. And, mm-hmm. and we don't disagree that there needs to be a, an investment in that, but we've, we've been doing it. Mm-hmm. So um, there is tons of one-time money that schools yeah. have, that the department has, and, and there's still some sitting and on the, the table. And And <laughs> once you're trained in that, it doesn't have to be done year after yeah. year. This doesn't have to be recurring where salaries do have to be recurring, mm-hmm. right? So I feel like it was a, um, a bit of a smoke and mirrors budget. Mm-hmm. Um, don't disagree with, with the topics. Um, school choice, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, spending public dollars on, on, uh, private schools. You know, we, we, we've never wavered on where we stand on that, but we don't disagree with, with paying teachers and we don't disagree with helping kids read. We think all of these things are necessary. We very much disagree in, in, in the way that it was presented and that's disappointing. Yeah. And so next week he will do his show his present i don't know what we're calling it i am getting a double bowl of popcorn this time it's a it's a budget hearing Mm -hmm. uh so i was told by representative mcbride this week that uh, the senate and the house are going to combine to do Mm -hmm. that together so that it doesn't have to be done 
it, it's redundant for them mm-hmm. to have to present to both chambers. And it's just to the budget committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, other legislators are welcome to come in. Uh, it's in the House. It's on the House floor. So there's seating in the gallery. It's open to the public. Ellen actually went in person mm-hmm. on the snowy day. Yes. Uh, and I think she, it's going to be again. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be ice this, this well, week. Ice is way worse, though. <laughs> so so it's, a, it's an open hearing. Mm-hmm. You can log on. I get uh, many of our members are at work. But then you can, uh, by the next day, usually it's up and you can watch it if, if you want to. And I'm sure we will recount it next week. Mm-hmm. But um, I think my takeaway is don't panic. Yeah. It's a request. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are so many conversations going on in the mm-hmm. legislature. The session is long. Uh, this is the very beginning. And uh, those decisions will start to be talked about, but that budget won't be finalized until May. So I don't think we're in panic mode quite yet. Mm -hmm. Plus, I've got to see all the bills that come through that are tied to appropriations. Like so much of uh, Senator Pugh's plan had, I mean, it was a $500 million plan. Right. And so, you know, it's it's way early to see where this goes. Many bills that that are filed cost money. Yeah. And so if they pass, the the budget chairs and those budget uh, committees have to figure out how to balance a budget. Mm-hmm. Our constitution requires a balanced budget. We do have a lot of savings. We heard from Senator mm-hmm. Kurt last night at, at one of our yeah. dinners. We've been having civication dinners, and Catherine and I were at the one here in Oklahoma City, and Senator Kurt said uh, the growth revenue is upwards of 20%, which is unheard of. $2.6 billion. Yeah. So, you know, mm. things are looking up. If it, it, it's just priorities, if we look at any of our personal budgets, you would see where our priori- priorities mm-hmm. are. My, mine is shoes and food mm-hmm. and um, grandson. I get, oh, and my grandson. <laughs> and that's why I say it's shoe money. But also shoes and food. Uh, shoe money. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, you know, our state, our state priorities will, will shake out as they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, we beg you to very professionally keep in touch with your legislators mm-hmm. and let them know what you love and don't love and concerns you have. Mm-hmm. You know, ask them to come to your classrooms yeah. on Fridays. Um, let them see what 33rd graders in a classroom looks like. Um, I, I didn't have, when I was in the classroom, I didn't have, I had quasi-supportive legislators. But every time I invited them to come, you know what they got to see? 35 8th graders <laughs> in a civics class. Mm-hmm. That wasn't, I didn't teach that, but that's kind of, we would bring them in and we would, you know, yeah. they, well, we'd like to talk to a civics class. Great. I can make that happen. And they, you know what they would walk away, even if they didn't say the things I would like for them to say and listen to the things we'd like, what they could say is, holy cow, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir, it is. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't think um, information is good always, right? Yeah. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no bad information as long as it's factual, as long as we, um, we just keep talking. So I guess the one final story this week was, again, the phasing out of federal funds. Senator Bullard is pushing a bill that sure. would look at phasing that out. Sure. What? You know, um, I don't think this is shocking, and I wouldn't be surprised if this were not in partnership with uh, Sec- or Super- State Superintendent and also Secretary of Education, mm-hmm. <laughs> Walters. Um, he... He ran on this, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was videoed talking to folks as he was on the campaign trail, talking about getting rid of federal funds and not being tied to the federal government. And I think that's a, I think that's a, a bit political rhetoric, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it we we can't help but see the hypocrisy in accepting all of these relief dollars mm-hmm. and bragging about what we're spending them on rural mm-hmm. communities and hospitals and whatever all of these programs that are very mm-hmm. valuable i'm not i'm not making fun of any of those programs i think they're very very valuable but then to say oh we don't want federal funds for education anymore and so um catherine actually did an interview this week with a with a news uh, mm-hmm. Channel mm-hmm. Five, Fox mm-hmm. Twenty Five. Yes, yeah. and and talk about all the things that those federal funds fund for our students, and what in the world would be our plan to fill that hole? And I think on one hand you could say, oh, it's a ten-year phase-out plan, so we'll have time. We are we are funded at a fraction of our neighboring states, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether that's teacher pay per pupil funding. Um, at the federal level, IDEA, which mm-hmm. is our, our special ed uh, students with special needs, um, how many cents on the dollar, Catherine? Oh, it's only funded at about 15 to 18%. It's fully funded would be 40. But so you just have to figure it this way. For every dollar a district spends, they're only reimbursed 15 cents mm. for every dollar. And, you know, those federal funds were set up as a stopgap. They weren't set up to fully fund a state. They were to f- fund the gaps in that state. Because we know a, a student with disability takes twice the amount to educate them than a general ed student. And so um, to know that we get over $900 million in federal funds, that's a big chunk and a big hole we, to fill. Right. We we looked at uh, Senator Pugh's package that was $541 million and we think, oh my wow. gosh, that's a bold number. Mm-hmm. That's a that half a billion dollars um, in the 2018-19, um, where they increased taxes and, and between funding schools and teacher pay raises and support pay raises, it was half a billion, right? Just under 500 million. We talk about those bold things that we only see every now and then. Mm-hmm. And and you're talking about taking out mm-hmm. yearly almost yeah. a billion. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense to us. We have grave, grave concerns about what would fill that hole, who would fill that hole, uh, what recurring revenue source could we possibly uh, use? And I would say, um, how could you possibly do that at the same time you're having conversations about cutting taxes? Mm-hmm. So it, it just, um, I don't see it as a feasible solution. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to think that there are... Um, and the requirements aren't going to go away. The federal law says you will educate and provide a free, appropriate public education for every student, even students with disabilities. And so all of those funds really target our most disadvantaged kids mm-hmm. that we know require additional funding to help provide those services for. Right. And so many teacher salaries are tied right. to those funds. A lot of our, our special ed teachers mm-hmm. are tied to those title funds. One. Pre-K, Title One, ti- all the titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. List all the all yeah, the titles. All and Native American education. Yep. All of those things are funded by federal funds. And so what would fill that hole? The requirements do not go mm-hmm. away. We would our accreditation would be at risk if we don't if we mm-hmm. don't fund those things. So there's just a lot of things that I'm not sure are completely thought through. And I do think um, Senator Bullard's a former educator. I believe his spouse is an educator. And so, you know, maybe it's to start a conversation. Many, many legislators will write a bill for some sweeping change and say, oh, I just meant to start a conversation. And so who knows? 
uh, we, this, it's early. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are uh, what we like to call uh, headline getters, mm-hmm. uh, these types of bills. And so many of them don't ever see the light of day. But it does, um, I think it's important to start to have the conversations. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ivy. It's great to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. Ellen, never one on my list. Just congratulations to Oklahoma Teacher of the Year, Rebecca Peterson. Peterson, I want to say that, get that all right there. Um, Named finalist for National Teacher of the Year. This is such a huge... Only five. Yes. There's only five in the Five in the nation. And they are the top of the standard and you know uh when rebecca was named last year and the i first heard her talk and then we had her on the pod at listening to her story listening to her platform that she has she is the right person mm-hmm. to carry this honor and the good i just i love what she what she's trying to do and that finding the good finding the good finding the hope and knowing that that every educator in our building is there to give every one of our students, finding that good, finding that hope, gives them hope, mm-hmm. helps them in building those relationships and doing it in such a manner that is true. And in taking what she did in the classroom and now going around the state, she didn't wait for people to come and ask her to come to their districts. She made a point to get out to every one of our 77 counties, spending time with educators in their classroom, getting to tell their story. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. So Rebecca, I know you got to see her the other day. I did. She said she listened. So So, (laughs) Rebecca, if you're listening, congratulations. We are so incredibly OEA member. So proud of Mm -hmm. her. And so she'll be going through this second part of the, um, I don't know all the details of it, but it's usually around April, May that they'll, they'll name that. So we are just sending positive thoughts to you. We know you're going to do an incredible job. Uh, and we look forward to you being named national teacher of the year Absolutely. and, and knowing that it rep- she represents everybody here in Oklahoma. And, and we have so many incredible educators that, uh, teachers and support professionals that are that are giving their time, their day, every day to students. And it's making a difference in our state. So that's exciting. And, you know, Ellen, I know you were down in uh, Seminole last night. I was in Oklahoma City for Northwest OKCB. You were in the Southwest A and, and had educators and legislators at your dinner. I did too. It was a fabulous night. It was fabulous. We also had a third one. We were in. Oh, yeah, there were Northwest. There was three, there was three dinners last there night. There was three, and we and, and yes, they, and everybody, you blew us out of the water. Yeah, people are coming. Yes, people want to listen. Yeah, and they want to feel heard. Yeah, and it's been an incredible yeah. conversation. And the legislators thank them. I mean, they have they come and they listen, and 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 what they're hearing is hard, and it is educators pouring their heart out at these dinners saying this is what's happening in my classroom and this is what's happening in my building in my school and so these are so important to tell those personal stories but also what's great is those educators are hearing hurt they're, they're feeling heard 
by the legislators that are there. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be taking those stories with them to the Capitol. And I think that, and, and then, you know, it just, this is the kickoff for our Tuesdays at the Capitol. That'll start towards the end of 26, February. 27th. Yeah. 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 And so we're, but we're going to be working with, um, on February the 20th, we're going to have a day at the Capitol. That's kind of headed up by the PLAC. Uh, I know our rural schools, um, group does that as well. And so we'll be there. I think we have a table there. We'll be there. Um, that we are setting that as OEA red for ed day. So if you can't be at the Capitol, Put on your red. Absolutely. It's red for Ed. We want to make sure. And you know, Ellen, I, I, I think back to my great uncle who was uh, uh, a big OEA member, advocate, activist in, from Muskogee, Oklahoma. And I remember when, and I, I was thinking about this last night when I was listening to teachers and support professionals and legislators talk. And there's so much we were, we talked today about some of the rhetoric we're hearing that's coming, unfortunately, out of um, our state superintendent, which is, is really sad. But to know what's rhetoric, what's, what is something we need to act on. And I remember my great uncle, because one time my mother said these words to him and I was young and I heard them. And my mom said, you know what? I just don't think I'm going to be a member next year. I can save some money. Oh my goodness. My great uncle said, look here, Missy. He did that. And when mm -hmm. he said that, you kind of listen. He said, look, you are in your classrooms every day. And that is what OEA does every day. They're across the street at the Capitol. They are going to be getting you information. And that's the information that you need to listen to. So I want our members to know with everything going on before this legislation, legislator, legislative time starts, there's a lot of stuff going on. And we're here to keep you informed. Mm. So those things that you can just block out and go on your way and don't let it, you know, our, our well-being is important right now. And there's times that we just need to block that out um, because we have so much more important work to do. So we're going to help you block that out. We're going to make sure that you're informed on what you need to know each week. Our legislative update mm -hmm. gives them great information. The podcast gives them great information. So we're here to take care of you while you're doing, while you're taking care of our kids in our classrooms, in our schools. Absolutely. And we want to thank Representative Provenzano and Ivy for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcasts at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.